We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we want freedom. We want to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. So in last week's episode, you heard the story of how I got my first clients and customers. And if you listen to that episode, you know, it was kind of a long story because it took me a while to really successfully get those first clients and customers. I had a few clients and customers that didn't really successfully get that ball rolling and they weren't the people who I really wanted to work with. They weren't really my target customer. And I learned that the hard way. But finally, I found the right people to work with, started attracting the right customers and And from there, everything sailed pretty smoothly. But obviously, that was just my experience, just this one singular anecdote. And while, of course, there's something to be learned from every story, it can be a lot more instructive to hear multiple stories and to be able to piece together similarities between those stories and to get more ideas than just one idea. And so in today's episode, I am excited to bring you the stories of several other business owners and how they got their first clients. Now, as it happens, every Everyone who is featured in this episode is someone who works for me or who has worked for me in the past. And so somehow I became their client at some point and they have a fairly large successful business now where they are serving higher profile clients. And so I think it'll be really interesting for you to hear how they got their very first client and how they started that snowball that led them to where they are today. So keep your ears open. I hope that you enjoy these stories and you find them interesting in and of themselves, but also that they are instructive to you and that they give you more ideas for how to find your first or your next client. Listen into how Samantha Harris, who is a marketing assistant who currently works for me, got her first clients using Instagram and Facebook. Now, I think that online we hear a lot about using networking to get clients, especially your first clients, but I think that a lot of the time it can be difficult to see how to really put that advice into practice and how to use networking to get clients rather than just having it be a time suck. So I think that you'll find this story really interesting if you are interested in using Facebook, Instagram, or other social media and online networking to get clients for your business. I actually started off my online business journey as a service provider, specifically a virtual assistant. So starting out as a service provider, a few ways that I was able to get my first clients were through Instagram and through Facebook. I actually was just, you know, connecting with people through DMs, making friends, talking to other business owners and letting them know who I was, what I did, what services I provided. I think my very, very first client actually came from a referral. Um, Someone had told her, hey, I know this person who is actually a virtual assistant. She's a little newer. Um, I think she would actually be really great for you. So that was actually how I got my very first client was just through someone I had networked with on Instagram, referring me out to someone who was looking to hire some help in their business. And then also I was able to bring in clients through just putting out my own organic content. One of my first clients let me know that they found me through 
the hashtag virtual assistant. So that was really exciting to know that the content that I was putting out was actually reaching somebody and that using hashtags uh, helped me and them connect. And then also I was able to get one of my first clients through Facebook. So a couple things that I did in Facebook was I wasn't just posting to my own account. I was actually interacting a lot in Facebook groups. So I was in a lot of entrepreneur groups, virtual assistant groups, um, pretty much anything that would have my ideal client in there. And every day I would go in and I would try and comment on things that I felt like I had some input to share. Um, But specifically, I feel like what really moved the needle forward for me was submitting uh, applications for jobs. A lot of groups will put out job applications. So I made it a goal every single day for the first couple months of having my business to apply to three jobs a day. I didn't always apply to three jobs a day. I wasn't always hitting that goal just because there wasn't always three jobs that fit what I was looking for specifically. But I always made that my goal to try and find three, which actually wasn't too hard because a lot of groups have hashtags now where you can search job ops and things like that. So I was able to get a client through applying for job applications. I actually had a lot of interviews as well through that. So that was really great for me starting out just to get that practice to talk to people. And then back to what I was saying before about just engaging in those groups. I actually picked up a client who had just kept seeing my name a lot throughout the group. So she looked into my account and looked at what I did. And we ended up working together for quite some time as well. So those are the two platforms that really helped me get my start as a service provider, as a virtual assistant specifically. Um, So I think a lot of it just really comes down to putting yourself out there and making yourself seen. Next, you're going to hear from Emily Banks, who is a graphic designer who works for me. And I think that something that's really interesting about Emily's story is that she doesn't use any sort of content marketing to market her business, at least not typically. And she didn't when she started. She just worked on getting her name out there and using word of mouth and getting referrals based off of people who had seen some of her design work. And what I think is so interesting about this is that a lot of the time it seems like we have to really build up a presence and get a following on social media or get a lot of traffic to our website. But when you're a service provider or a freelancer, you might only need a few clients in order for your business to be successful. And a lot of the time those can come simply from word of mouth. The way I got my first clients was a bit of a slower burn compared to some maybe, but it really built up a solid foundation of recurring work for me. So often the advice for service providers is to contact everyone you know and just offer your services to them, like contact anybody, offer your services. Um, But I didn't really know a whole lot of people in my real life who needed my services, but I was spending a lot of time online inside sort of established communities for online business owners. And this was mostly sort of for my own learning and personal and business development. And when I say communities, I don't mean like free Facebook groups. We've all heard, you know, be helpful in Facebook groups. That was never really helpful for me. What I was doing was joining a lot of paid programs like courses, coaching programs, or even like free webinars and workshops and that sort of thing. And just really participating in all the live calls and the private Slack groups and all that sort of thing. And, you know, it might sound a bit cheeky to say that I was never actually like directly pitching my services to people. And in a lot of these types of groups, it's against the rules to do that. So probably don't do that. Um, But I was just really sort of active, engaged. If people had questions I could answer, I would answer them. 
And often sort of the moderators of these groups would come to know me as well um, and they would sort of use me and my business as an example or bring me in to answer a question if someone um, was asking something that kind of was in my area of expertise. So in hindsight, I, you know, didn't go into this with a strategy of finding clients. I wasn't in these groups specifically to find my first clients. I thought I was just sort of learning a bit about how to build a business. But when I look back on that time, what I was actually doing was spending really good quality time networking with a sort of pre-qualified group of people who had a genuine need for my services and I was making good connections with those people. So they were, you know, they were also in these programs because they were looking to build or grow their online business. And many of them already knew they would be looking to hire a designer at some point. So for me, what I probably wanted to do and what I ended up doing was sort of making myself the first person that they thought of when they started to move on that decision. Also at the time, I was... um, straight out of my design degree. I didn't have like a previous corporate job. So I built a portfolio of mock work and then also my own sort of website and online presence. And I was also writing content for my website. And I think probably a key point is that a lot of my early clients um, that I'd sort of met through these groups said that sort of the combination of examples of the work in my portfolio, even if it wasn't necessarily real work um, for real clients, The examples of that work plus the examples of my knowledge on my blog got them over the line to hiring me. They felt like they could sort of trust me with their money and with their businesses and brands. So I think the key for me was that once I once I had these first few clients, like the first handful of clients, I made sure to set up a system of checking in with them really regularly to see if they needed anything else or if they knew of anyone else who needed more work. And when your clients start recruiting new clients for you, that's when it really starts to snowball and that's when it gets a lot easier and stops feeling like such a slow burn. So I guess in summary for me, it was definitely all about spending time making the right sorts of connections and continuing to really nurture those connections even after the project was over. When you're first starting out, it seems like things like setting up your website, registering your business name, designing branding, and setting up your business social media accounts are the things that you need to do to grow your business. But the truth is that these tasks don't grow anything. They're simply the necessary setup you have to do before you could start working to grow. They're things you have to do to get started, but they're not things that make you any money. What's worse, according to a recent study we conducted, a whopping 43% of people still hadn't completed the setup phase even after working on it for six months. That's six plus months invested into working on your business when you could have been making money but weren't. It shouldn't be that way, and it doesn't have to. The truth is that you can check all these necessary steps off your to-do list for good in just four weeks, and then you can move on to the work that actually makes you money and grows your business. I'd love to show you how to get this done and to help you do it. In just a few weeks, we're kicking off a brand new business accelerator program called Set Up Shop. It's a four week program for new business owners who are ready to quickly take care of all those steps of setting up their business, registering it to make it legal and creating a solid foundation to grow it to six figures and beyond. Pre-registration for Setup Shop is open now and we have a special early bird rate available for those who sign up early. Class starts May 1st, so check the episode description for the link to register or head to gillianperkins.com slash setupshop. 
The next story you're going to hear is of one of my virtual assistants who works for me doing customer service. Her name is Tiffany. She's been working for me for a few years. And in that time, I've gotten to know her really well. And I've heard the story of how she got her first client a few times and how that led to her getting even more clients. I love Tiffany's story because it's messy and it's real life. And it was almost an accident. But at the same time, I think there's a lot to learn from it. And there's just a lot of funny little details and it's interesting how it all came together. So if you're thinking about getting your first client, but you aren't really so sure about this whole marketing yourself thing, then keep on listening to hear Tiffany's story of how she got her first client on accident. And it might give you some ideas for how you can start looking for clients in some unconventional ways and how even just getting your first client can lead to really big things. The journey to how I found my first clients is kind of funny because it kind of happened before I was even had a position as a virtual assistant. I was actually unemployed. I had four children that I was homeschooling and my husband was working a pretty low income job. And I just knew that we needed something better. We needed to start making more money because what we were living on with four children just didn't seem like enough at all. So I started kind of asking around about potential job opportunities. And I didn't even know what I was looking for. I wasn't online looking for how to make money online. I just knew I needed to make something and making a minimum wage at the local Hobby Lobby wasn't enough money. It wasn't worth it to spend every weekend, which would be the only hours I was available to work, making, you know, five to seven dollars an hour. That just didn't make any sense to me. And I think the minimum wage at the time was seven dollars an hour. But if you take out taxes and everything, it came down to about five dollars an hour that I'd be actually bringing home. And I just thought that's not enough money to make it worth it to me to be gone every weekend. And so I started kind of just asking around and seeing what was out there. I heard through the grapevine that my cousin was working online. I had no idea what that meant. I had no idea what she was doing. I just knew she was doing something online, some service online. So I reconnected with her and I called her and I asked what it was she was doing. And she told me that she provided services to coaches online and helped them run their online business. Again, I had no idea what this really meant or what this really looked like, but I decided to ask her more about it, get some more information. She was actually looking to hire a virtual assistant to work with her because she had such a full workload that she needed some help. Even though I had people telling me that I was too busy, I was homeschooling for children, I didn't have time for these things, I just knew I needed to do something. And if I could spend a few hours a day watching Netflix, I'm sure I had time to work a few hours online instead and put my time to better use. So I ended up starting to work for her and she paid me $20 an hour to learn how to be a virtual assistant. And it was like one thing at a time, she would train me how to work in Meister Task. I remember that was the very first thing, learn how to use Meister Task. And then she trained me how to use Google. And then she trained me how to do forms. And then she trained me on the WordPress website. And that's really how I got my first client. And from that, I was able to get through word of mouth, I was able to gain more clients because as I learned more skill sets and my knowledge grew on how to help run an online business, the person that I was working for, the people that I was working for with my cousin, ended up wanting to hire me on their own. 
They ended up seeing that I was a hard worker. I was really willing to learn whatever I needed to learn to do a good job in the position I was put in. So from the one client, I was able to branch out my business to get a full workload. And it really just was all through word of mouth. Every client I got came as a personal recommendation from somebody else that I was working with. And I think the power of that is that when you do a good job and you work hard and you say that, yeah, you'd be interested in, you know, taking on more clients that they're going to recommend you and your client will recommend you if they see that you are excellent at what you do and you're honest and you're hardworking. So that is my story of how I got my first clients. It was really fun. It was really incredible to be able to have an online business that allowed me to be flexible, allowed me to work from home, allowed me to make enough money to make it worth it to work and really just change our, my family's life and change what we were able to do. It was really an amazing opportunity, this online business world. Next up, we get to hear from Tony Ruley, who runs a successful Facebook marketing advertising agency called Intentional Spark. Now, Tony's agency has grown to be quite a success over the last several years, and he now has a very good roster of some fairly high profile clients who he really enjoys working with. So I think it'll be really interesting to hear how he got his very first clients and how he got this whole thing started. So let's listen in. To explain how we got our first customers at Intentional Spark, let me first tell you who we are. We're a digital marketing agency. We specialize in digital ads, but we also do organic social media marketing, some content, email content marketing, both a major focus with digital ads and Facebook and Instagram ads in particular. So how did we get our first customers at Intentional Spark? We didn't immediately start off by having as much of a focus as we do now. Primarily now, you know, 90% of our business is digital ads. I would say 75, 80% of our digital ad business is Facebook and Instagram. But when we first got started, we were really just doing anything in the digital marketing space because A, we didn't have a reputation yet. Uh, and B, we didn't know uh, what people would really want, what they would pay for, and what would bring us the most business. So we tried to get out there and our only core goal was giving as much value as we could. And so one of the things we did early on is we joined a few communities, whether it was free Facebook groups, uh, we did join one paid community called Fizzle. Fizzle, I think, is still around. And it was, you know, it had multiple different trainings inside of it. But what I really got value of was it was a great community of very active people. All were in the early to middle stage of growing their own online business, which was right the target audience of who we were looking to work with. And we went in there and just committed to giving as much value to people as we could to demonstrate that we knew what we were doing, we could be valuable and that we weren't looking for a short-term win. So by that, I mean, people would ask questions. We'd give very detailed answers. We would hop on calls with people, nothing too long, 30 minutes, maybe an hour at the most, offering free strategy advice on the call. And our goal was to become known, become known as the digital marketing people, the experts. Um, and then once we got busy giving that free advice, we had to start charging because we were just too busy. And that was kind of our plan to get busy, get known, start charging once you're at capacity. For us, our trigger for raising rates or even to start charging was about 50% capacity. So we would try and you know find jobs on Upwork. I think at the time it was like freelance.com, but you know we'd take one-off jobs with random um, people on Upwork, but usually those weren't the best. It was much more transactional. You know, that helped pay the bills or at least pay some of the bills while we really built our networking through, you know, adding value at Fizzle and these Facebook groups. 
Um, but we did start charging some people as they came in. They saw that we gave them value on these calls and they hired us to manage their ads, to do audits, to handle their organic social. And we started to grow from there. The next thing we did was, again, at that 50% capacity level, once we felt like we were roughly 50% busy and we had only 50% more of our um, bandwidth to go, we raised our rates. So anyone new coming in would get a higher rate. And that allowed us then to scale. Because otherwise, if you keep your rate the same and you get to 100% capacity, you're too busy to scale. You can't pay other people to help you. So we always were focused on kind of when we hit that 50% capacity level to start raising our rates. And then as old clients fell off, all the new clients would be on higher rates. So that was our other focus. And then the last thing that got us our first customers uh, was constantly focusing on referrals. So that's our main source of uh, clients now. That was our main source back then. And so with those early customers, we really made an effort to work with people uh, that had networks that we thought might be valuable and could refer us to other people. So the example would be, you know, I might take a call with someone who needs some help with their Facebook ads and I'd offer 30 minutes of advice. If it didn't seem like they had a network that could help us, maybe I would rate, you know, present them our normal new high rates. If it seemed like it was someone uh, who could really help us with referrals and was a great business to work with because it would be a great name for us to promote as someone we've worked with. And also it's someone that could share other you know, business contacts with us, we might offer them a lower rate or a discount just because, you know, the short-term win of that fee wasn't all that mattered. It was that relationship and getting referrals from that relationship. So we really tried to make an effort to work with more people that had those referral networks. Uh, and then from there, they referred us business. Those people referred us business. And that's how our first customers uh, became many customers and took us to where we are today. So to wrap this all up, I just want to call out a few things that maybe you noticed throughout the episode. First of all, as you probably noticed, everyone who shared in this episode was working on getting their first clients, which are, of course, a type of customer, but it's a little different when you're trying to get your first customers for an online course or a membership site or some other type of product, be it digital or physical. When you're working on getting your first clients, a lot of the time you only need to get a few clients. And so you can go small and you can really focus in on a few people. You can work on building up your network and using word of mouth marketing because you don't really need a big audience. So I just want to make sure that you have that context and that you understand that different business models need different marketing strategies. And if you're trying to sell a product on Amazon, then these might not be the right marketing strategies for you. If you're trying to start a membership site, these might not be the right marketing strategies for you. But if you're looking to get into freelance work or provide services for your clients or even start an agency, then these could be some great stories for you to pull from and draw some advice from. Another thing I want to call out is something that I love about all these stories, which is how simple all of these people kept the process of finding their first clients. They didn't have a complicated marketing strategy. They didn't try to build a complicated funnel. Those things can be really valuable later on and they can take your results to another level, especially if you are doing something that requires mass marketing. But when you're first starting out, when you're just trying to find your first few customers or clients, it's it's much better to keep things simple and to stay really close to the process. 
as you heard, this simpler, less strategic approach can yield faster results or slower results. For example, Samantha attacked things a little bit more aggressively and she was more aggressively networking and she was aggressively applying for three jobs every day and she found several clients fairly quickly. And then on the other hand, you have Emily who just took a little bit more of a slow and steady approach, slowly building up her network. And they ended up getting the same results, but Samantha got her results a little faster. And then you have Tiffany who got her first client almost entirely by accident, which shows that if you have some idea of what you want and you just start pursuing it, that it will eventually come to pass as you slowly take one small step forward and you get closer and closer to what you want and to figuring out what you want. And one last thing I want to point out is a commonality that I saw between all of these different stories. Each of these different people simply first developed some skill that they could offer to a client. And in some people's cases, that was really simple. Like Tiffany didn't even really set out to develop a skill. She just already had some basic skills that she could offer as virtual assistant services. But they each started with having a skill or developing some skill. And then they simply effectively announced that they were open to providing this service, that they were open to accepting new clients. And so they just started asking people if they might be interested in this service that they could provide. And it turns out that if you're offering a service that there's some demand for in the market and it becomes known that you are offering that service, then some of those people who are looking for that service, or this would apply to a product as well, some of those people who are looking for that product are going to inquire if they can purchase it from you. And that's what happened in pretty much all of these case studies that we heard today. Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode. I really appreciate you spending this time with me and I hope that you are enjoying the podcast and getting a whole lot out of it. I'm your host, Gillian Perkins. I'll be back again next week with another episode and until then, stay focused. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Work Less, Earn More. Now, here's what I want you to do next. Take a screenshot of this episode you're listening to right now and share it out on your Instagram stories. And when you do, make sure you tag me at Gillian Z Perkins so I can see you're listening. Sharing on stories is going to help more people find this podcast so they too can learn how to build their business in a way that allows them to work less and earn more. And if you really love the show, head over to Apple Podcasts right now and leave Work Less, Earn More a review to give it a boost and help even more people find it. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm Gillian Perkins, and until next week, stay focused and take action. Take action.